So we can start now, and if we we should feel free if somebody wants to go have water. There's no, it's not like a <laughs> classroom. We are all friends and family members, and that's how one learns. To, you know, to be with mother means to be so free inside. Something very beautiful. Uh, another thing is that. Um, Though this session is supreme discovery, but since all all is a discovery in her <laughs> life is a perpetual discovery, yeah. and we have read a small passage, very powerful passage from uh, the supreme discovery, which is one of the mother's early writings. So we can uh, make it a kind of question answer session, and then see how it goes. So we'll start with the first question about the secret of the Vedas, right? Uh, who, who had asked the question? Yes, okay. So you are here. I asked so that you know we know that uh, we are not missing out. Yes. Yes. Uh, maybe one or two long lines. <laughs> uh, so. So one of the work of the avatar is to, um, or rather, there are two main sides of the avatar's work. One is to open the new path. All avatars do that; they are evolutionaries. So they bring something new, which is not there. It's there in potentiality, but not there in manifestation. All the avatars do that. That's why it's very difficult to understand them in their own age. And the other work is to uh, once again. Bring out the truths of the Sanatan Dharma, which are there, but man has given it a form, structure, trapped it in a body of words, language, which becomes more difficult. So Shirobindo also one of his work was to bring out the truth of the Sanatan Dharma and all that human effort till now towards evolution. And the second part was to give something which is new, and that he speaks about, which is not cut off from this, but a logical conclusion. So, uh, in that context, we have the Vedas. Uh, very interestingly, Shrubindo's uh, engagement with the Vedas did not start as a book. He was having experiences, and uh, it is later on that when he read the Vedas, he found a corresponding element of truth. That ah, here is a book which can explain my experiences. So, the whole approach is different. On one side, we read. And we want to understand this one approach. The other is that we have an experience, and we see it that oh, somebody has actually experienced, gone this path. So his engagement with the Vedas was this way, not the other way around. That he read the Vedas, then started practicing the yoga. Second part, which is very interesting with regard to the Vedas, the the Vedas, you know, like any language, have its own grammar. And this grammar, as we understand, is today's grammar. Now you see, uh, today's grammar may not be the same as grammar which is 400 years back. Shakespearean English is an example. Those who have read Shakespeare's English, now when they read English, they wonder how English was like that. But English was like that; it has evolved. So languages evolve. That is something which Shurbindo brings. Like everything evolves, so languages also evolve. So the the grammar which we use today in Sanskrit is. Not the same grammar the way it was used in Sanskrit 
when the Vedas were written. For Sri Aurobindo, it is Sri Krishna. He acknowledges that that Sri Krishna gave him the Nirukta, the grammar. Nirukta is not just grammar, but the the the, the context through which you understand a language. So he gave him the uh, the Nirukta with which he could understand the Veda in terms of purely the the book and the language. To give an example of what Nirukta is, you know, if if somebody says Stand up. Now you know most people will stand physically. But the word stand up can also be used in a very psychological stand. Stand up for yourself. It doesn't mean that I stand up physically. It's about standing up within. I stand up for myself. Similarly when it is the word is used spineless character. It doesn't mean that the fellow doesn't have a spine. You know we say this pain in the neck. Oh he is such a pain in the neck. A pain in the neck is not physically a pain in the neck. <laughs> so, every language has its physical components, psychological components, also very subtle components which are called nuances. That's why, you know, if you learn a new language, you cannot really learn it unless you start conversing with those who are familiar in that language. Because then only you will learn the nuances. You cannot learn the nuances just by a book. So that is why when Shurabindu started engaging with the Vedas and with the meanings that interpreters had given, on one side Max Muller, on the other side Shankaracharya and you know others based on a certain grammar, Panini's grammar and Yaska, they had taken this. But Shurabindu, because Sri Krishna had given the new Nirukta, he could see the limitation. He does not dismiss it but says that this is limitation. And that's why they could not explain many of the uh, verses or they created a disjointed like Max Muller says some uh, verses are very profound but others make no sense to take a typical example one of the uh, verse in the Veda reads like this that oh Indra give me the horses whose feet are dripping with uh, Ghritam uh, that means what is that ghee butter clarified butter now what, what what does it mean to have horses whose feet are dripping with clarified butter. I mean, what, what is butter doing with the horse's feet? So, uh, this is, if you go literally by the translation, as per the grammar which Yaska and subsequently Panini have given. But if you put that contextual understanding of the Veda, then even today we say, oh, he is so energetic like a horse is running around. Now, what is horse indicating? Power. Even in English physics, we use the word horse power to actually measure. So, horse is not physical horse which the rishis are asking. So, one interpretation is very ritualistic. Oh, they are asking for horse. Why? Because they were people who were cultivating land. So, horse is needed. So, they didn't know how to get horses. So, they were praying to God Indra that please give me horse. So, it sounds very good. But horses with feet dripping with clarified butter means either they are crazy or <laughs> we don't understand. So, but when we say horse, when the Rishi is asking, he is asking for power. And then when we use the word butter, clarified butter, gritam. So, even Shurabindu goes into the details of philology. How in the beginning language is very supple, it becomes later on very fixed. So, they are asking for an illumined mind, clear and, um, you know, like butter, it is, uh, it is spread out. It's, it, it's, uh, it's something which is pure form. 
So he is asking for power along with a illumined mentality. Now you see the sense makes perfect sense. Otherwise we uh, get confused that what is he asking. So till uh, till that time there were all kinds of interpretation based on which ultimately it was declared that Vedas have no secret. Some verses are fine but by and large it's about primitive worship. I, I don't know whether you read this uh, but I read it this. Uh, I was taught this in my convent school that you know in India there was primitive worship in the, those ages. Just like the Aryan-Dravidian divide. There, there is no Aryan-Dravidian divide. But it has been uh, formulated because of political reasons. So the, the Britishers uh, gave this to us and we received it. But something within us always feels, ki, is it really like this? Is there something more? So Shivindu starts by saying, is there a secret in the Veda? Then philologically, psychologically, spiritually, from every angle, he shows that there is a great secret. And he also challenges the Aryan-Dravidian theory. He says Aryan and Dravidian is not races on physical races. But they are, they are basically manifestation of certain psychological movements. So we have on one side beings of light who embody light and who are you know, illumined in consciousness, who are seekers after truth, who are hunters of light. So they are everywhere and he gives so many examples. All over the world they were, you know, Aryans in that sense. They were seekers of light. So anybody who seeks light, who seeks a principle of harmony, who wants this world to become beautiful, who wants things to be moved along a certain rules which are divine laws, divine truth, that person is an Aryan. He, that's why he used the word Arya in, in his writings and he explained what is an Arya. So in the secret of the Vedas he devotes to this understanding because one understanding of the Veda is that it's there is nothing spiritual about it. Basically there was a battle between the Aryans and the Dravidians. So you had the Aryan gods and you had the Dravidian gods and they were fighting with each other. Look at what a neat way to create a division. And unfortunately till date many people hold on to it and it is perpetuated. Now because of political interest world over Aryan Dravidian myth is gone. Because of various discoveries, for example, discovery of the river Saraswati and many other things, that this is a this is a myth created by people with vested interest, particularly in uh, I think 18th or 19th century middle. This myth was perpetuated. <clears throat> now it is gone. But one of the first persons who challenged this myth was Shurabindu, and he based it on his readings of the Vedas. He said it's not about a physical invasion of physical things but about a psychological movement from darkness to light and that is what the Vedas embody and gods everything so gods are of course they are real powers they are also psychological qualities so they manifest in us so Durga is on one side outside on the other side Durga is uh, that power within us which battles against evil so wherever there is a person maybe a man or a woman who battles against evil. So we say that, no, like Durga. And actually there are movies like that, Durga. Of course, unfortunately, there are movies also which try to defile a, a sacred name. That also happened, you know, recently we know uh, how using the name of Durga, there was a prefix added just to destroy the power of a name. So, whereas otherwise, Durga, when you say to a lady, ah, you are like Durga, isn't it? So what does he mean? It's not doesn't mean she has ten arms. But it means she is strong. She will not accept nonsense from anybody. 
similarly when we say that when a lady is coming to the house we say that she is coming like lakshmi so it's not let you know she must bring dowry as cash it doesn't mean that at all she is bringing prosperity to the house so she must be worshiped if you take care of her if you love her automatically prosperity will come because you treat her like lakshmi so this way shurbindo gave a totally new sense of the vedas and a sense wherein he also took it to a height where he said basically they were the rishis were beings of a higher consciousness who came to show to man the path towards light and truth and vastness and the word they use where are they going they are, so he also gives us there are four fundamental truths in the veda first one is there is one reality without a second ekamevadutyam so this is a great gift of the vedas and i think even if we touch this truth at every level by the way physics you know einstein all his life tried to find that unified force field at every level it applies human relationship you see as long as there are two there'll be fight put two human beings together they will begin to quarrel it's strange because they lose the sense of oneness so what happens how to create oneness this question also somebody asked by seeing the one in the other that one cannot be my ego that is the way to we try to create oneness you look now you have come to the house daughter in law better be beware behave like me so you know oneness but it's an ignorant way to create oneness what is the true way to create oneness in you me she her he beast bird stone there is the one now when i see the one in everyone then why there will be fight so every house i go it is mother's house it's so beautiful so you can live with that state now this what i mean is that this truth has profound practical implication this is not a let's not reduce it to philosophy very often people reduce to philosophy ah one without a second but what has it got to do with my life well if this one truth can transform our life i am using now the word transformation loosely in the sense that it can change me to an extent where all my relationships to start with will begin to get harmonious and beautiful because behind appearances i am able to see the divine presence then the second truth they saw that man's the soul's journey they visualized it like a battle <clears throat> there are always in the journey any journey there will be forces which will hold us back forces which will help us to go forward even when we are doing nothing let's say i am sitting in a car or a train so what is slowing down the train it is friction and the wind speed that's why you know what do bullet trains do or the super trains they eliminate the friction they cannot stop the wind what does an airplane do it uses the opposition to actually fly so you know basically uh, there is an opposition when we move upward the soul moves upward and there is also help so powers that help us became the gods they were beings which help us in the our ascension and the powers that oppose us they were the dasyus the the dark powers the titans the asuras the rakshasas who oppose us in moving forward so this is the second great truth they gave that human soul's journey is a battle that's why it becomes a battlefield and where the soul has to navigate through all this make its choices etc etc the third great gift they gave was the gift of agni 
so you know we have the uh, i think man's greatest power when he came he didn't have nuclear power and all this is so dangerous he didn't have any special guns but there was one power which kept away all the animals what is that power the ability to light fire and all the animals escaped like that mogli's jungle book jungle book no the movie also came out rudyard kipling's so with all my reservations about rudyard kipling's writings but one part is there that you know they says that all the animals they are much stronger than man but they are saying ki you know they have a uh, great weapon with them and we just can't figure out how to get that weapon what is that weapon that is the fire they, they say it's uh, it's a flower which has fire in it so they say till man has that weapon we can't defeat him oh <laughs> look at it similarly they gave the discovery of the inner fire so inner fire that there is within us a divine will which is setting the rhythms of life we may use the word divine law divine truth they imaged it as a fire it's a real fire i am not talking of the experience part one goes within one discovered the fire but to start with that there is in this world at any given point of time two agendas at least active one is the agenda of my ego another is the agenda of the divine unfortunately many other agendas also come in agenda of my mummy and daddy agenda of my wife husband agenda of my child agenda of society agenda of so it causes a hodgepodge complication but at least at any given point of time there is my agenda and there is the divine will so the rishis they showed us way to align this human will again and again to the divine will and therefore what was wrong wrong was to deviate from the divine will they defined it like that not by any outer action this is wrong that is wrong wrong is when you deviate from the divine will when you are aligned to the divine will it will take you towards the ascension why divine will not because he is an arbitrary depo says follow me and this is my commandment no it's simply because divine will is meant to help us in this ascension and where is this ascension going to end so the rishi said it will end into satyam ritam brahatam the true the right the vast so what do you experience when you ascend there and that was their final truth they gave said ananda anandam brahmeti so you will experience ananda which you are right now experiencing as pleasure and pain after all everybody wants that so this demand is right but the method is not right so if i want the best uh, diamond in the world uh, which alone can satisfy me i can't go to a roadside shop who will promise me i'll give you diamond on 100 rupees obviously is cheating me so we should not get cheated it's not good to get cheated the real ananda is with the ascension what is the advantage of this ananda once we have that then forever it stays with us that is the supreme discovery incidentally that when we discover this inner godhead then we don't have to worry see as long as the godhead is outside so they found a path within man this is something amazing as long as the godhead is outside whether it's in a temple or in a in some person or something there is always a you have to go there and find there now the person and the temple is a help maybe a symbol maybe sometimes a concrete help but ultimately you have to discover within 
Take this example in Mother and Shubhendra's context. We have the Mother symbol. You know, everybody, I am also wearing a ring of Mother symbol. Many people wear it as locket or something. What is what really Mother symbol is? Mother symbol we all know. Oh, yes, center Aditi and four powers and twelve, isn't it? We all have read it in the books. What what is the symbol supposed to do? We have to reproduce the symbol within us. Means at the center of my life, mother should be there, not my ego. So the first circle of the symbol is complete. Then I should be moved by the four powers. Maheshwari in my mind, bringing illumination and calm and wisdom and truth. Mahakali in my vital, bringing strength and passion of the gods to achieve. You know, she is Devanam Shakti. She is the power of the gods who help us to break all barriers and obstacles that come in the path of the divine ascension. So Mahakali. Hers is the intense love, rapturous love, which will not... Accept any obstacle when we love the mother as Kali, Mahakali, then she doesn't accept anything standing in the way of our union with her. She breaks down those barriers. She says, The child is mine. And so it draws the child close. Ego may be crushed, it's not important. Then, Mahalakshmi, what it means to worship Mahalakshmi? It means to follow the rhythms of sweetness, beauty. Love in life. Now, Mahalakshmi is human love, not divine love, but human love lifted to the heights of its utmost possibility. What is that human love which can which becomes godlike when there is giving and not wanting, demanding, expecting all kinds of conditions? It's full of sweetness, it's full of harmony, it's full of beauty. So, to bring these powers in our life is to install Mahalakshmi within us. And of course, Mahasaraswati, detailed perfection. Everything should be in its place. You see, now in this center, everything is in its place. Imagine if you enter, you you are looking for something in uh, sale counter, everything is mixed up, hodgepodge. Then what did it look? Even if you ask, I want this book, or where is this book? They are looking in that jumble. But Mahasaraswati will not allow it. So if we create order in our life, inner and outer, then we are worshipping Mahasaraswati. So Vedas... This, of course, is the way Tantras brought the Devi aspect. Veda did not have that. But to embody, they had the equivalent powers. To embody them inside. So, gods were not just outside. The rishis were praying for these gods to be embodied within. When they were praying to Indra, they were actually aspiring for a Gnostic consciousness which can look all around. When they prayed to Varuna, Varuna is the god of vastness. When they were praying to Mitra, Mitra is the god of love. When they were praying to love and harmony, when they were praying to Ariman, Ariman is the god of power and strength, he is the warrior. When they were praying to Bhag, Bhag is the god who gives the uh, detailed joys of life, smallest things, they can give us joy, most material level, Bhaga. Soma, the Ananda. So this was the whole journey, this is how the Vedas opened a path. And that path was lost over a period of time. It became ritualistic. The fire became external fire. The ghritam became, you know, pouring ghee and etc. etc. And we know what happened. Then came the Upanishads since we are at it. So, so Upanishads uh, dismantled all the, all the external structures in which the Vedic truth was trapped. So what did the Upanishadic seers do? They brought the central truth. One, Brahman. Find him. 
find him beyond the world, find him in the world. Kena Upanishad will say, find him beyond. Tadeva Brahmantam Vidhi Nedam Yadidam Upasati. Not here. Isha Upanishad will put it in a different way. He says, here too. Atme Vabhud Vijanata Tatrako Mohakashoka Ekatva Manupashata. Even here you can find him. So the Gita goes one step further. He says, okay, you can find him here. But give yourself to that and it will deliver you from, you, you don't even have to find, it will be, it is there, nothing else is required, just surrender all your darkness, evil, all that veils that truth, that's all you have to do, it is there. So you know the Gita reveals this great truth while doing works, to find it you don't have to go inside, sit in a cave, while doing works, keep your mind fixed on the vision of the one. Madhbhava, Madgata, Manmana, Bhavmadvadhyabhakta, Madhyajima Namaskuru. So you know, when we keep this consciousness in, in our heart, in our core, then this truth reveals itself in countless ways. And of course then, Madhra and Shubhindo take it to the next higher level. So this is how Shubhindo once again reinstated the secret of the Vedas, which was lost in Karmakanda on the one side, in various uh, ritualistic and other interpretations by modern, um, you know, from Max Muller and Yaska and Shankaracharya, who gave a one-sided interpretation, like Mayavad. It became a one-sided interpretation of the Vedas, where many things which are related to karma are uh, taken to be like more like a karmkan. There are works you can do and ultimately you have to drop the works because this is the one. So Sri Krishna challenges that, brings something new. So whenever Vedas are lost in oblivion because of human consciousness and its limitations, then the divine comes and restores it to its pristine purity. That's what should be noted. That was one sentence. I have reserved the second sentence. <laughs> While speaking one sentence is uh, till you take a pause. <laughs> so... <laughs> yes. yes uh, shall we consider Mother and Shurbindo as avatars of Kaliyug and Satyug? See, uh, the avatar is a revelation. Yes, I'll I'll touch this question. Avatar is a revelation. Uh, not all are blessed to know that they are avatars. Let me put it like that. And to those whom it has been revealed, they are extremely fortunate. If you ask me, to me, yes, and something more. Mother is more than anything we can imagine. Even avatar word falls small. But yes, and there are many logical reasons why I can prove it. That's a different part. All the markers are there of the avatar. Uh, you know, the typical of the Gita Yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata. When was the dharmasya glani maximum? If you just go back to the beginning of the previous century, on one side there were forces like imperialism, uh, Marxist kind of communism, threatening the world, positivism, uh, science had declared there is no God, uh, then the great wars. You can't imagine that kind of darkness. And the great truths of the uh, Vedas, etc., which India had gifted to the world that was lost in superstition, some rituals, that's it. What was the condition of women? What was the condition of an average human being? The, the mightiest, uh, if you may use the word race, that was lying low. 
वर्शिपिंग होम वॉट मास्टर्स देवेट विपिंग अस एंड टेलिंग अस यू आर लो एंड वी सेट यस सर वी आर लो लिफ्ट अस अप इन दैट स्टेट सडनली वी हैव शिविंदो कमिंग वॉट इज यू डू यदा यदा ही धर्म से ग्लानी भवती भारत अभ्युत्थानम अधर्म से तदात्मा से जमे वॉट इज यू डू ही इज द वन हु फायर्ड इंडियन हार्ट एंड सोल एंड माइंड एंड थॉट नो वी आर नॉट ए फॉल इन रेस वी कैरी दिस ट्रूथ विच कैन लाइट इन दर्ल्ड ही गेव दैट टू मैन काइंड फर्स्ट यू सी इफ वी सी शुभ रिवोल्यूशनरी पीरियड वॉट वॉज इज मेथड he just awakened a whole mass of mankind who were believing oh they know good english so they must be superior even now we carry this stupid idea oh fair complexion must be superior he said nothing doing shobhinda himself is dark saavra salona like krishna <laughs> and he is an erudite in english he could challenge their english <laughs> and then he reveals these truths you know it was so amazing परित्राणाय साधुना विनाशाय दुष्कृता In fact, uh, Nevinson, there is a whole dialogue in the Parliament. This was discussed. The most dangerous man in India. We must find a way to eliminate him, because they knew he is inspiring everybody. <laughs> so, paritranaay sadhuna, vinashaay chadushkitaam. Britishers went away. We see that World War. Shyamendra said it's mother's war. and how he put up just like krishna putting all the forces krishna and shubhendu is a different subject very beautiful um, i think one of the talks i had so just like krishna he is doing nothing krishna was sitting in the chariot shubhendu in the room but he was conducting the entire world war every day vinashaya chadushkritam all positivism imperialism the marxist form of communism everything broke down and then dharma sanstapnarthai what is that dharma he brings that truth back into the forefront but according to the needs of the age so dharma sanstapnarthai sambhavami yogya to some people shurbindo indirectly and to one or two directly declared his avatar champaklal ji for instance and the mother said in one of the letters shubindra is the last avatar afterwards the avatars won't come in human body so she specified last avatar in a human body <clears throat> but having said that it's a gift of revelation i have explained this in a intellectual way and i could speak another hour on how shubindra is the avatar but this is a gift of revelation and this should not be enforced upon anyone as a doctrine because people you are forcing upon me no no my guru is avatar very good thank you so much <laughs> to each his own there is no fight or quarrel but so this is a gift of revelation some people have that is a grace of the divine mother who are able to see that shubindra is an avatar 
definitely it's a transition whole world is now recognizing that the world before 1960 and the world after 1960 there is a radical difference lot of places this talk is going on people are trying to understand this phenomena world has changed in countless ways we may not understand good or bad that is our limitation but definitely mankind has become more free and mankind is wanting now to come together as one collective unit this much is very obvious the discoveries of science have gone to a point where they have to perforce bring in other dimensions all this has changed so before you see 1950 most of the nations were subject to some other nation british empire now you see it is shrunk to a small little island and it was said during that time that this is an empire whose sun never sets in the british empire and shurbindo's sun rose so high that this sun faded away into the background this is uh, actually one can see it so the new age has come it's very evident you know the world has become one unit now changes have always come but not at this unprecedented scale level and pace and quality which has taken place so well spot the avatar of course we always find our time bad or our zamana good that's <coughs> attached view of things that's that's a different story altogether okay so this was about avatar i think god is i and said depending on the need the mother countless sara forms not just four countless ways of course the upanishads speak about das mahavidyas the 10 forms of the divine mother the uh, chandi speaks about the four great forms of the divine mother shurvind also speaks about the four great forms and depending on the need of the soul she reveals herself in this way or that way that's true one of the powers of the divine mother which uh, acts towards the end in shurbindos though this is the age of maha saraswati because material perfection but in actual evolution within for the sadhak uh, some are caught by the maheshwari they are drawn by the vastness of the truth some are caught by mahakali this is it i want to do this some are caught by mahalakshmi they look at the mother smile and forget everything else <laughs> and then you ask them what should we do what has he written oh that's don't ask me all that i know life divine is difficult but look at mother smile you want to go anywhere else <laughs> mahalakshmi some go and see ah so beautiful ashram everything is in its place arranged this wonderful place why because they are sensing mahasaraswati's presence but usually mahasaraswati comes towards the end when other layers have been worked upon she is the most long suffering and patient because her work is a very detailed work she is not satisfied with half truths and 90% truth or 99.99% she is what is that called six sigma more than that <laughs> not even one in million errors would be there this is why she is working since the beginning of creation actually so which aspect will come to us will depend on our need readiness openness more than need readiness and openness but eventually all other aspects begin to work and of course at the end they all fuse into the one divine mother <clears throat> a time comes when 
we don't even place her outside Swami Vivekananda said something very interesting about Tantra and Shobindo while quoting the Tantra Sar he ratifies it so what does Swami Vivekananda say about Tantra it's very interesting we have so many practices rituals mantras puja yantras in Tantra no Swami Vivekananda says to worship every woman as Devi is true Tantra. So a time comes when you begin to see everybody has some aspect or the other of the Divine Mother. When I have nice idli in the morning then I have Divine Mother as Annapurna eating me. Or when somebody scolds Keep your chappas properly. In ashram you see, no? You don't know how to keep your chappas? Stand in the line. Maha Mahakali. <coughs> Sometimes happens, no? Husbands have to face Mahakali because they are all spoiled fellows. Spoiled by Mother Mahalakshmi, then trained by Mother Mahakali. Their physical mothers like Mahalakshmi is, you know, now, but Mahalakshmi is only is not enough, no. So, Mahakali also must come. So, next step is Mahakali. You have not learnt anything in your home. You don't know how to even keep your shirt. Baba, please teach me. My mother never allowed me. So, slowly Mahakali comes. Then Mahasaraswati. No, 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 no. Keep the shoes outside like this, you know. Don't, don't bring it inside. You tell your friends, huh? they are coming home. This Mahasaraswati. Then slowly knowledge comes, Maheshwari, you realize. <laughs> so everything is aspect of Divine Mother. A time comes when everybody you see as somebody or the other of the Mother. Where is the division? Mother is in all. Then the vision, even flowers, plants, trees, animals, they represent something or the other of the Divine Mother. She is everywhere. So, anything? Yes, please sit, please sit. Yes, when our aspirations. Yes, beautiful. Uh, there are, see, two ways of uh, doing it. One is step by step process, one after another. And there are many methods, ways. But you know, I am a lazy fellow, so I like the shortcut. <laughs> so the shortcut is given in one of the ancient, you know, Guru Bani. Guru Nanak has written many things. So one of the, it's nothing but a collection of saints. So he says, uh, and I'm sure it is there in every literature. So I'll first tell you the original <laughs> because it's very interesting. Then I'll translate into English. So the original is Eke Sadhe Sab Sadhe Sab Sadhe Ek Nahoy. So you you hold on to the one and everything else will follow. But if we hold on to many, by combining them one doesn't come. So one of the problem of harmony is we want this person also to be happy, that person also to be happy, this to be happy, that to be happy. So what happens? At the end of the day, by the time we have reached to the third person, the first is unhappy already. Why you are listening to that person? So you don't know how to make everybody happy, isn't it? I think this was question also. 
so let us do that other way let me make the divine mother happy <laughs> she doesn't want much mother says at one place my child we are not here to please ourselves or others we are here to please the divine what will make the divine mother happy let me do that if i can make her happy my life is blessed see what what bharat did for creating harmony on one side is his brother on other side is his uh, conscience other side is his mother other side is all the counselors he says no i am going to do one thing what has happened is unfair so i act according to what i believe to be true and right and fair and just so i'll not take the king throne but i'll let my brother rule i'll just be a trustee so bharat becomes such a great bhakta in you know history so similarly when we try to please the divine what will make the divine happy and we can apply it in many practical instances let's say somebody is misunderstood us whether we did something which was right or wrong is not the issue somebody misunderstood us so now <clears throat> it create reactions within me i feel bitter i feel misunderstood i may feel cheated i may start ruminating what wrong did i do i may say okay let me see from another point of view so many things we can do but we should instead if we say to start with what state and attitude of mind will make mother happy then first thing which we will not do is to go into depression guilt self blame other blame criticism complain because that will certainly not make her happy <laughs> so to start with we will bring peace into our heart which mother will not like the child to be at peace let me be at peace then first step i have taken what will make mother happy that i should be peace what would mother want me to do with the other person mother say don't worry ignore be indifferent if you can still love love because we have to take example from whom from her what does she do we just said she doesn't condemn she doesn't complain she doesn't judge she doesn't punish she just pours her love so if we are her children we have no choice <laughs> we must inherit it so let us do what she has been doing perennially continue to give our love now when we do it <clears throat> other person may or may not receive that is the other person's karma or is but if we continue to do do these two things to stay peaceful and continue to pour our love into this world then what happens to where do we get the love from and peace from to pour so mother gives a very simple way she says as for us we will expect everything only from the divine but we will have a universal love and goodwill for all so for others we have love and goodwill where do we receive love from mother 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 i love you ma give me true love mother i am grateful for your love so many ways of expression of relating with her what is love but a bond it can be through writing in a diary it can be speaking to her it can be just looking at her photo it can be just rejoicing at her smile feeling blessed of that you know she has brought us here 
anything but create a bond of love with mother then she pours into us and we radiate into the see when basically why do we suffer because we are deficiency of love inside this is a disease in today's times human beings are suffering because they don't have love so they are always looking for somebody whom they can catch and get love but it doesn't work out after a point expectation coming whether it's parents or husband wife or countless relations relatives that's why they are called relatives not absolutes don't treat them as absolutes so ultimately what what happens at the end of the day we realize we are disillusioned what is this world is all maya nobody loves you this <laughs> the one person who is ready to love all the time loving we are not seeing and now you know we are going to the wrong shop going to a sabji market you know vegetable and we are saying do you have diamond then at the end of it is a disillusion i didn't find diamond are you have gone to vegetable market ask for bindi and alu and you will get it so you know that is our state why we are begging for love because we have closed the doors of love to the divine mother but when we receive that love we are so full that it just spreads if somebody doesn't give us love it doesn't matter at all there is in fact no space for anybody else's love if somebody tries to give love you say it's okay thank you it's okay fine i don't need it <laughs> I am full. I can give little bit share with everyone because all the time the tap is flowing, 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 flooding, spreading all around. So when we receive love from the divine, all grows harmonious, all grows beautiful. So to open ourselves to the divine is the mantra. But any other way we try, the long way, the psychiatrist will tell you the long way. You know, think about it, adjust, accept, balance this, that. ultimately they'll put on antidepressant and then you know say what is there all my life i have lived for these human beings and then you suffer is miserable to see sometimes you know parents suffer in old age but why they are suffering they don't have to suffer if only they knew how to open the door when children go away they would say all right i was a trustee they have gone good i have got time now to sit with mother so happy they would feel and when they are with you you again you are happy so either which way because you are happy when you are alone because you have time with mother quality time <laughs> when you are with everyone you are with mother's work so life grows beautiful love the mother that's the one three word formula so if nothing else we can close this and